You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I invite you to take your scriptures and head to the book of Romans, chapter 15. Romans, chapter 15, verse 1, if you want to head that way. If you're visiting with us, we're in a study through Romans. If you were visiting us, visiting with us at Dustin Molly's last dedication, I don't know if we were in Romans at that time, and we still, we, here we still are, but uh, I don't know, uh, not remembering well. But anyway, here we are, we're in Romans 15, we are ways down the road, but I invite you to turn there, and we're going to look at God's Word, and on your way there, I believe I've got a picture in there from last week from Mark and Julie's grandson, Jacob, or does it go by Jake, maybe, but Jacob, and this was... Uh, well, you know this, here's uh, Calvary and the empty tomb, the cross there, and Christ and the empty tomb, and as we even talk about our relationships with one another, and we're coming out of chapter 14, and those weak in the faith, and those strong in the faith, and matters of conscience, and eating and drinking, and all these sorts of things, that the cross, and I think that Christ and His cross is what combines and unites us together to worship. That's our unity. It's not in just kind of flattening out things, but our unity is around this cross. So appreciate Jacob uh, and that picture from last week. And kids, that if you're visiting with us, draw a picture, hand it to me. If I'm talking to someone, just put it in my hand, put your name on it. That's really helpful. And uh, maybe it'll get up here next week or the week after. Um, all right, we're in Romans 15. I'm going to read 1 through 7. Now, I have in the bulletin, we're going one through seven. I think seven I'm going to leave till the next time we come back to this chapter, but I'll read it here because maybe in, at least if you've got an ESV, you've got it in one paragraph here. Others have it separated, but let's, let's listen to God's word and then we'll think of what he has said here. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray once again. Lord, again, we've we've got your word opened up before us, and we have, by your grace, we've got your word in front of us, and we have time before us. None of us know how long we have, so here we are for this Sunday to worship you and come together. I pray, Lord, in these moments you would just agree in prayer, Lord, you would work by your spirit in each of our hearts. And Lord, really the temptation to look at others and say, boy, I wish they heard this. Lord, may it be our hearts that hear it first, our very souls, that you would change our living and our worship of you and our exalting of you and our glory for you before and our logs in us before we go looking at specks in others. So do that work internally in each one of us 
And may we hear and be convicted by your spirit and be encouraged to endure and to have hope through your very word before us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. When does a, when does a building ever become a song? You ever thought about when, a, when building something becomes a song? It's kind of an odd question. We don't think of the topic, probably not, I don't know, maybe you do, thinking of building and construction and then in the same category as music and song. Uh, there's, but I think beautiful buildings, if they're well-made, crafted, crafted projects, there's a certain, certain kind of singing in the way that they've been built. They, they sing a song, if you will, to use that kind of language of the craftsmanship that went into the building, the care, its precision, its strength, and they reflect on the one who built them. You're hearing this theme of building and building becoming a song. And when we build up others around us as buildings in accord with Christ, I think it produces, let me back up, God's Word says it produces a glorious song, a glorious voice, if you will. So if the church is the household of God, and it is, then this house, this building ought to sing. And not even just physically sing with our mouths, although that's certainly part of it, but just there's this singing, not for our own glory, but, but the praise and glory of God as we sing and we live in harmony. Paul's already called us in chapter 14, I believe it's verse 19 there, pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. We gave that illustration last week of this building of the house. Pursue this. What's, what mutually builds up one another? And then he says, do not, for the sake of food, or maybe we're kind of in that area of, you know, areas of their difference, but they're less significant areas of conscience. Don't, for the sake of food or other areas, destroy the work of God. That is, don't tear down the building that God himself is building. So today's building project, if you will, it's your fellow believer. Maybe it's someone in the church, this church, Bethany, someone in your family, a friend, a believer. And in this passage, we're not left to build up one another without getting some tools, I think, and some supplies and really a blueprint for this task. So we want to look at the building plan God's set before us that builds the right kind of house that ultimately a house that sings, a house that sings for the glory of God and not ours. So look back at verse 1 as we study this passage. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Though everyone, I think you could, everyone's got the task of building up his brother or sister in Christ, verse 1 gets specific here. It's got those strong in mind. And I think, again, from chapter 14, those who are the strong here, we who are strong, I think those strong in faith. Though I think there's also application-wise to really anyone seemingly strong. Maybe you're strong in your devotions or you're strong in, in parenting. You're strong in these ways. Maybe there's other applications. But, but here, the strong, they've got an obligation. In the language of Romans chapter 13, it would be owe no one anything except to love each other. The word owe and the word obligation share some similarities. So owe or you're obligated. And, and I think with that sense of to love uh, each other. 
to love who? What's the obligation? To bear with the failings of the weak. Paul uses two words here in verse 1. You see them as failings, word 1, and weak. Literally, it's the, the inabilities. I think that's the weak part. So the word, it's the negative of what it means to be able. So it's the not able ones. Yeah, those ones, they're not able. Those of the non-strong. Again, it's the negative of the word for strength. So you've got the the non-strong of the non-able. Bear with the non-strong of the non-able, if to put it in, in kind of weird language. That is, you who are strong, who can, you know, to use illustration, you can bench 220, and the other can just, they can barely lift the bar up. And you're like, what's the problem? I've been doing this forever. And you've got one just, just weak. That's the picture of the strong with an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And it means here, instead of doing what, what we like, that is, what the strong likes, what makes the strong pleasing or happy or feeling good, it is instead, the call here is to bear with the failings of the weak. And once again, we're thrown back into the study why you've got the picture in front of your bulletin about sacrificial living for the glory of God. This is sacrifice. It's not doing what's pleasing to us. Paul's going to say that in verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor. So it's not what's pleasing to us. It's what's pleasing to our neighbor. And the reality is both weak and strong exist in the body of Christ. We talk about different strokes for different folks or people. We're different, all of us. Brandon and I may have the same pattern today of shirt. That's about it. Some other of you have a few different clothing that's the same. A lot of us, we're different. You're not all wearing the same thing even today. And there's differences. Well, verse 2 states the matter positively. It says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Said another way by Paul in Philippians chapter 2, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Which tells us again, this walk in Christ is not a solo walk. This is not a me and God It's a you, you, and me, and you in God. It's that type of community. It's the body of Christ that is built up. Picture of that is just what took place this morning of dedication. It's Dustin and Molly, not in their house, recording this or saying, yeah, we'll dedicate to the Lord. It's before you all, and it's you all saying, we're going to come alongside you. It's, It's a miniature of this, of building up one another. And how do we do that if each of us is just on our own island out somewhere? We need each other. The question here, what, what's the good? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. What, what would build him up? What would be good for our neighbor? I think Paul would answer, do whatever would bring this one closer to Christ. Because who is the cornerstone of the building? It is Christ. I can't hear Paul saying anything differently than build them up in Christ. Look to Christ. Point them there. Everything centers. Paul, we just read Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ. That's Paul's heart. Colossians 3 says, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Or as we just sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What a great truth. 
And then later on, verse 14 and 15, Paul says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Now let me say, I don't think pleasing our neighbor here, please your neighbor for his good, means affirming everything that your neighbor might think is good. This is not, you've got sin in your life, I guess it's good. I, I'm supposed to please, I don't want to you know, make waves, that type of idea. I don't think that's going on. We need to rebuke, that's part of building up one another in Christ, is to rebuke lovingly, speak the truth in love, rebuke sinful behavior, attitudes. But here, the strong are to use their strong faith in Christ, and so take their strength and do something with it, build up their neighbor in Christ to the glory of God. Help them along. Bear them up. So do what is good and what builds up your neighbor. And I think your neighbor here, neighbor in Christ. How? How do we do this? Look at verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul looks where else but Christ as the example for how we are to please our neighbor, and he finds the supreme example. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, puts it this way. Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man, remember, came not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come for all his... He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or again, Philippians 2. Again, the similar pattern. Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who? So what kind of mind that looks to the interests of others? How do we get that mind? Look to Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, and that by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Christ himself was the, if we're talking about being a living sacrifice for one another, he was the living sacrifice because he went all the way and he died for sinners, those who were his enemies. And who would you say out of all history is the strongest one of all? Who's the strongest man to ever live? Who was super strong and not weak at all? Is it none other than Christ himself? He is strong. And yet the strongest of rulers, you, if you think you're strong, you're not that strong. He's stronger. And yet even here, he humbles himself as a servant, served an enemy, so that the enemy might enjoy him forever. So what Paul is calling those in Rome to do, it's right in line with what Christ did. And, and to back this up, Paul goes none other than back to the Old Testament. And over and over we find this, Paul talking about Christ, and we've seen his references over and over back to the Old Testament. This, in this case, it's Psalm 69, verse 9, that says, For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Now, if you look in your text in, in verse uh, uh, 3, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me, Doug Moo helps us fill in the pronouns here. It says the me in the quotation, just to help us, me in the quotation is Christ. The, the you, do you see the you, Y-O-U, that's God. So Paul, 
moves says, Paul has Jesus saying that the reproaches or insults of people that were directed at God fell on himself instead. And a question comes up as we're studying and as we see this particular text from Psalm 69. Paul, why this one? Where does this one come from? You're talking about reproaches coming on you, falling on you. Sounds like suffering, persecution. How does this fit with the strong bearing with the failings of the weak? I just can't, I can't put these and fit these together. I'm going to get help. John Murray's going to help us answer. Listen to his answer. It is the apparent dissimilarity that points up the force of Jesus' example. Listen here, what he says. There is a profound discrepancy between what Christ did and what the strong are urged to do. He pleased not himself to the incomparable extent of bearing the enmity of men against God, and he bore this reproach because he was jealous for God's honor. He did not by flinching evade any of the stroke, like he didn't flinch away from any of the reproaches of men. That's Christ. So Murray says, Shall we the strong... Shall we, the strong, insist on pleasing ourselves in the matter of food and drink to the detriment of God's saints and the edification of Christ's body? It is the complete contrast between Christ's situation, the reproaches, and yet his giving is serving. It's the complete contrast between Christ's situation and ours that enhances the force of the appeal. You see what Murray's getting at here? Christ endured great reproach, great suffering. By contrast, those strong in the faith are just dealing with somebody that can't lift as much to, to, to give the contrast. They're just, their conscience is weaker. They're, they can't eat that certain thing. They're, they're not comfortable. Conscience is bothered about this or that. And the strong are asked to put up with them and, and help them and be good, do what's pleasing to them. And they're going, I can't do that. And Paul's saying, no, look. Look at all the way Christ gave himself death, reproach for enemies. Can you not strengthen the weak one among you? It could be weak maybe in terms of conscience. And again, just to apply this maybe just a little more broader, just in the application, just those that seem weaker in us than us. Maybe, again, they don't know the word like you know the word, or their life seems to be out of order. They're calling on Christ, but just seems kind of out of order. Or whatever makes us tend to, you know, uh, Wednesday night with our, our group, we were talking about anger, and anger looks down and says it looks down on people. Maybe there's a sense, I'm strong in the faith. Come on. Hey, come on. We're to live for their good, to build them up in Christ, looking to Christ. Okay, verse for then, Paul stays in the theme of the written word. He wants to make a point here about the word. Look at this. Verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Again, Paul's referring to the written word, the Scriptures, specifically here, the Old Testament. Is this a validation? Look at the Old Testament. It's worth it. Was it written? It was written for our day, for our instruction, written for our endurance and encouragement so that we might have hope. 
It's the Word of God, and it's what we need. Because apart from it, we're struggling. We're in darkness. We're drifting. We're searching. Maybe this book, maybe this program, maybe this YouTube video, they offer help and all sorts of things other than finding that hope and that endurance and encouragement in the Word of God. And the question might be, again, why does this statement, why does it come right here? How does this connect to the text we're in? And I would just say God's Word, it teaches us how to live with one another. And we all need this counsel. It's, it's like the blueprint for the building. You want to build one another up. How do you do that apart from God's Word and what He said? So it's not only how we learn really to build others up, it's how we're built up ourselves. And there may be conflicts in a group of our size and trials and hardships and questions and that thing that's just on your mind. You woke up with it maybe this morning. This book, this Bible, it was written for your endurance, for your encouragement that you would have hope. Thomas Brooks has said this about the Word. He says, The Word of the Lord is a light to guide you, a counselor to counsel you, a comforter to comfort you, a staff to support you, a sword to defend you, and a physician to cure you. The Word is a mine, like deep mine, like like dig in the earth, a mine to enrich you, a robe to clothe you, and a crown to crown you. I mean, here I just thought of moms with little ones. You don't have a lot of... Boy, you're saying, I wish I had much more time to be in the Word. I can barely get in maybe a verse here and there. Thinking of maybe our dedication or just... You've got... It's just hard time-wise. It made me think of, you know, the marathon runners that are racing and and in a race sometimes they've got the table set up and they've got the water and they've got the the thing and, and there's just a marathon and you're running and they... Take the water, take a drink, it gets thrown, and they, and they keep running. If all you can do is, Wah! the crying's going on, and you go, okay, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and you're, and you're off, it's the Word. That's, that's good. You don't, it would be awesome to have just time and hours, and you're probably longing, maybe many of you. I'm not saying don't do this. If you have time, and you're not a mother with a little, or, you know, or something else, think of the time you have and enjoy the Lord. But even that, in that case, can you get a couple words? What nourishment they are to your soul. I just, again, just this weekend, impressed on my heart yesterday, reading the Word, going, there's just nothing like the Word. Why? Because it's God's Word. And Paul's going to tell us it's God who is the God of endurance and encouragement, and he's written a word. So we want to hold fast to it. Be people. Can I just encourage you? Be people of the Word. Don't let days go by without you being in the Word. Ground yourself here. It's what Paul says. Do you need endurance? Do you need encouragement? Do you need hope? I'm pretty sure all of us would say, yeah. Find it in God's Word that points to Christ, that points to the Lord. All right, so the strong, they're not to please Self, they're to please na- their neighbor for good, to build them up, build them up in Christ. Christ is the example. His word provides what we need for the call. It's the blueprint. But here, lastly, verses five and six. Why? 
Why all this? Why the building up? Why the word? Why should the strong bear with the weak? And for that matter, the weak even bear with the strong. Why should any of us gather to build one another up? And Paul closes this section. It's kind of a call through prayer. I'll, I'll read it at the end of our time together as well. But look, let's just look at it a little bit. Verse 5. First, may the God of endurance and encouragement, there it is, grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance, in accord with Christ Jesus. And again, just notice here how interchangeable God and the Scriptures are. You see that? The Scriptures are for endurance and encouragement. And what? He is the God of endurance and encouragement. It's this principle that what Scripture says, God says. If Scripture is our encouragement, God is that through His Word. That's how we learn of who God is. So what we have are the very words of God, and they're the foundation for our endurance and our encouragement. God wrote a book. And so again, be in God's book. It's an anchor for weary souls, and it's an anchor for all of us, whether you're in a valley or on a mountaintop, wherever. But Paul is praying here. It's a prayer of sorts. May the God of endurance. Kind of, you almost hear this praying here to endure. May he help the church in Rome. Help them what? To have the, the same thinking. The ESV's got the line to, to live in such harmony. It's kind of where I start thinking of music. You think of a harmonious tune. Live in harmony. All the different voices that blend to make this beautiful song. And on the one hand, these verses really point to our need, don't they? Our need for God to work. This God of endurance and encouragement grants you, or I think, I think the word is give you, to live this way. We need his help. This is not hope it goes well on your own type of process. But notice the last little line again, what unites this thinking. Not just tearing away things and, well, we agree that the, the, the wall should be that color. Good, we're, in uni- we're a unified group. That's awesome. That's not. It's what? It's in accord with Christ Jesus. The last part of verse 5. And are we surprised again at this book of Romans that it is, Paul makes a beeline for Christ? Christ in accord with Christ. Right thinking, harmonious thinking comes by being plugged into Christ. The Christ of the Scriptures and the Christ of all the Scriptures Jesus says in Luke 24 to those on the road on the way to Emmaus, he says, it says they're beginning with Moses and all the prophets, all, you know, Old Testament. He interpreted to them, that is Christ to them, in all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Studying the word, being in the word, that's where we grow to know who Christ is. So may God grant this harmony even amongst us in accordance with Christ. And and then verse 6 takes us to this purpose. Verse 6. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The clue here, why why would we say verse 6 is a purpose? You've Maybe in your English, hopefully all of you have this. The little word T-H-A-T, that. It's It's a clause. It's a purpose clause. These words are so helpful, kind of answering why. Why all this? What's the purpose of all this, Paul? And he comes to explain in verse 6 that together you may with one voice glorify God. 
It, it's, in fact, the very next word, together. That's what I've got in the ESV. If you're, you've got an NASB, you've got it, it says one accord. Or I looked up NIV, you're using King James. It's like be of the same mind or a one mind. Just a little research into that word. Sometimes it's helpful. The word, you don't know the, need to know the word, but you'll hear parts of it. It's homothumadon. Homothumadon. If you break it apart, you hear the word homo. That's not a bad word here. It just means the same. You can see why it's called that for homosexual activity. Same sexual activity. Here, though, homo is the same. But what's the sameness? It's the, it's the second part of the word. Thumadon. And it seems like Thumadon's got at least one of these. It can be used for anger, this passion. But it's got this, this idea of desires or passions. So quite literally, have the same, this homothumadon, have the same desires and passions. Have the same ones. For who? For what? For the color? For how things? For Christ and Him alone. And in that passion, we've got a singing voice that's going to be miles beyond any artist that currently is at the top of the charts. Our unity in Christ, our acting in Christ-likeness It's a song of glory to the Lord because it mirrors the gospel. So this one voice, you may together with one voice, it is to do something, it is to glorify. A definition there, to glorify, to to influence one's opinion about another or enhance the latter's reputation, praise, and honor. So living in harmony, living for Christ amongst one another, the strong bearing with the weak, the weak not despising the strong. It's the way that the church enhances God's reputation. He doesn't need us. He is glorious. But we do that and we see and we we affect opinions of others as we give Him glory in our lives. So a song, as we wrap up, a song is being sung here. A building is being built. The question is, what will it look like and will it glorify the Lord? We have a wonderful building here physically to meet together. We've got on-demand AC if you want it, heat. The walls are closed in. There's even a coffee maker. All these things. It's a wonderful place that we get to meet. We've got a great age of ranges and even more today. And we've got from older to younger. And often here, boy, what that's great. Your church has all those young kids. And it is a wonderful thing to treasure and to be grateful for. But our glory is not in us. It's not in this building, or really us at all. Paul's prayer here is that our being together with one voice, no matter the age, in accord with Christ, will glorify God, that it will influence even others' opinions, not about us, but about God. What God is this that these people seem to get along? They're so different. How does that work? What kind of God is this? I think they're the less tangible things. They're not so much the kind of music we sing. Wow, they got great music there or good preaching or whatever it is. It's this love that speaks volumes of how the strong bear with the weak and the weak not despise the strong and this unity. But again, it's a unity centered around Christ built up through the Word of God. So the way we bear with one another, the way we interact and deal with one another, it is of massive importance. Not not even for the world out there. It's important that they see the glory of God. But what's the important part? 
It's for his glory. How you act, how you treat a brother or sister is for the glory of God. That's what's at stake. God will get glory. That's not a question. But will your song, will your building project be like some of mine? I like the phrase, measure once, I'd love rather cut twice. You know, you're supposed to measure twice, cut once, that idea. Is that how your project will look? Kind of just a haphazard or maybe a, a tune, a song that's out of tune, kind of a mangled project, robbing God of glory? Or will your life, your life, sing a song, build up another for God's glory in Christ? Our unity in Christ sings the glory of God to both us as a church and anyone listening in the world. Saints who are building up one another in Christ sing a beautiful song of glory to God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you for these things and we realize that Paul has just laid out even a prayer that may God grant us this. And so we begin by saying, help us, Lord. For every one of us with the remaining war against the flesh has this desire to be seen as strong or to get back or to show revenge or to not love and really, really ultimately please ourselves. Lord, rid us of that. Rid us of that here at Bethany Bible. Or that your people that we would all, we would seek Christ through the Word, through the endurance, through the encouragement, through the hope that the Word gives us. That this place would be known as a place that brings you glory as the strong and the weak exist together in Christ, being built up in Christ. Lord, lead us and guide us again that together with one voice we may glorify you. Praise in your name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.